Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today we have an amazing person, Rosemary Ryan, who's going to tell us so much about so many different things. Author, she's going to tell us about uh, being a goon for good, uh, what, we, what we'll call goons for good, but helping and changing the world. So how are you doing today, Rosemary? Oh, I am just great and happy to be with you. And you've had so many amazing guests. I'm in great company. I'm just so blessed. I mean, that's one of those things. You put the energy out in the universe, and the most amazing people come right down the road, and, and you did. And you and I have that mutual connection with a few of our, our guests as well, uh, Dominic, Dominic Serder, and as well as Yvonne, Yvonne Wanje, uh, two of the greatest human beings. I, I, they're really among my favorite people. Uh, Yvonne constantly, and I, we, we, we message all the time how we're doing each other. He sends me blessings. And uh, that's, you know, it, it's just a unique world where we would have maybe never met before, but now we've connected. Power connection, David, for sure. Well, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Well, I, let's see. Uh, I I would love to know why you said bring a bat, where that came from. And I can talk about my own batting cage experience, if, if that's something we want to go into. I'm just curious as to where that came from. Yeah, sure. No, uh, everybody understands peace and love, right? We understand what that means to us. And bring a bat, we've all brought a bat in, in our life. And it's, it's obviously nonviolent. And what it really is, is knowing your non-negotiables, knowing what boundaries you need to do and how you communicate it. So the idea is not only knowing your, your boundaries and, you know, but it's the communication that if I, if I'm doing something to offend you, you could say, you know, just get a walk away and that's fine. That's a boundary for yourself, but not communicating it. That's also, you know, a, a different level of things. But so it's, you know, this communication, that's why as human beings, we know we have to ebb and flow with uh, all the things that come to us. As you know, you're, you know, a world shifter. You, you just spoke at a conference. Why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Oh, well, one of my favorite topics, um, believe it or not, my my roots go back to the East Coast, even though I'm in Ecuador now. And I did wilderness training with Tom Brown Jr. in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and learn that the five basic wilderness survival skills that you need to survive in a disaster situation, and I've been in several, mudslides, earthquakes, volcanoes, are the same skills you need to navigate the tsunamis of business and life. And so it was a joy being able to share what are those survival skills and what are some of the errors we make in decision-making along the way. So making us more adaptable to this crazy world that we live in and hopefully sharing some examples. As you may know, my, my company is a Silicon Valley innovation company. So we're, we're all about goons technology, but we're also about connection and how do you humanize today's workplace and tap into the best in human potential. So lots of areas for us to dig into. No, definitely. And that's one of those things that I'd love to talk to you about is all those five 
uh, different areas. You know, how, how do you manage in, in a crazy world, uh, both, you know, business-wise, but also personal-wise? How, how is the best way to manage things? Well, let's start with survival skill number one, which is awareness, awareness of your environment, of the people you're interacting with. There's differences in personalities and situations that happen. I don't know if you've ever worked in an environment where a new boss comes in and they go around making everybody crazy before assessing the lay of the land. Um, Our awareness is so bad. I don't know if you've ever noticed in FedEx um, envelopes or on trucks There's actually an arrow in that FedEx logo. Do you know how few people see that arrow? And the whole concept is in a wilderness situation, before you take any actions, you get to know your environment. And unfortunately, sometimes new leaders want to impress and show how great they are rather than taking that critical, what I call the power of the pause. What is the power of the pause? People who speak slower and wait two to three seconds before responding are considered much more credible. And leaders who take the time to really sit back and listen make for the most effective leaders. So survival skill number one is being aware of your situation, your environment, and going from there. So that's survival skill number one. Well, with uh, the practice of the pause, uh, the, the the power of the pause, not practice. Uh, how would we practice it? That was my question. Was uh, you know, so what, what's one way that you would suggest to be able to identify our environment, staying just on number one, and practice that pause a little bit? I love this because I've been married for thirty years. I use it in my marriage every day. Um, but the first thing is when posed with a question, rather than being the smartest person in the room. Take two to three seconds before responding is one example of that. But I I think another is I really believe in being centered and grounded. And so when you're faced with a situation, an interesting stat, David, you'll love this. When people are angry, upset, or under pressure, they lose about 45% brain power. Who can afford to lose that much? (laughs) So when you're angry, upset, or under pressure, the power of the pause is the strength to say, you know, I'm not at my best at this moment. Why don't we reconvene? That would be an example versus immediately having a knee-jerk reaction. So when I say awareness, you know, a running animal in the wilderness is a vulnerable animal. You don't want to be a running animal. You want to be the one who's sitting back, assessing before taking that first action. Yeah, if you think about the animals in the jungle when you're walking, the the animal who just pounces, they don't just pounce. They actually watch. They observe. They pause, I guess you would even say, before they do the pouncing. Well, and even if you look at horror movies, I know it's not October, but there's always a woman, usually a woman, running through the woods and what happens to her? She falls, she trips. She usually takes her clothes off, but that's another thing. <sighs> and a running animal is going to be very vulnerable and is going to stumble and fall. And so one of the leadership principles I try to practice with the teams that I coach is really having the discipline for you know taking those first 90 days and really taking time to assess what are the strengths and be strength-based versus weakness-based, right? So 
focus on the strengths of everyone on your team before taking action. I think that's awesome uh, because, you know, really, you know, if we work on all of our strengths, so even if we look at individuality, you know, if you acknowledge your weaknesses but also work to your strengths, you become more confident and it, it, it builds to everything else. So what's rule number two? Oh, go ahead. Number two, this is cool. Um, number two is adaptability to changing conditions. So if you're skiing, for example, uh, conditions can change dramatically. You need to be able to adapt to that new environment. Well, we're needing to adapt more than ever to technology, to personality styles, to preferences. Um, for example, you know, if your customer likes to text, that's their preference versus a phone call versus in person. So there's communication preferences, there's personality preferences, there's changing conditions. One of my tips I like to share with everyone is in a survival situation, people who often run into a lot of trouble are people that say, oh, no, we're all going to die. People that survive that are able to navigate the incoming tsunami are able to say, what is the very next action I need to take? I call it NA thinking. It also comes from a military foundation, which is rather than looking at this big problem ahead of you, what is the very next action I need to take to improve my current circumstance? So adaptability and resilience these days is the, the order of the day. Yeah, no, exactly. And through that adaptability, I mean, there's a little bit of that pause is to analyze the situation. I always, when I'm working with somebody, say, let's chunk it down. You know, it's an NLP piece, but really let's go, okay, what do we need to do in the first minute, the first hour, the, you know, and then work it out that way. It becomes more manageable. And I, and I got to tell you, two years ago, I went through a personal experience where I, I didn't pause. I was, world was getting to me too quickly and I wasn't able to handle it properly. But where I'm going with that is a couple of weeks ago, I went through a, not a same situation, but a situation that became very overwhelming very quickly. And because I was able to take those breaks, take those pauses, I was able to manage it much, much better. And I look at it now, one of those things also, which I, I'm proud as we take a walk in, in the jungle, right? You look behind just to see how far you've come. And that's a really important part when you're taking that pause. I'm so glad you brought that up, David, because when I was learning to ski, I looked like a Michelin blow up doll. And my husband was an expert skier and trying to get down that mountain. I kept looking at the mountain, you know, below me. And my husband said, stop, look how far you've come. And, you know, in this world of to do lists, it's so easy to be overwhelmed. So why not do a what I've done list? Um, to reaffirm that you're making progress and you have something to be proud of. Yeah, and I always say the to-do list doesn't always have to be to do today. Uh, you know, you have to analyze. Some things have to be done today. But at the end of the day, you know, check off. And even if today is one of those days where you're just saying, I got up and showered, or I just got up, forget about showered. Uh, let's not go that far. <laughs> but um you know, take your wins where they can. I think that's really important uh, to do. Yep. Showing up uh, is half the battle. And I love your approach to chunking down big challenges because I even find the items on my to-do list, those individual items are too big. So really chunking them down to their lowest element 
um, really helps uh, make that mound a little bit more manageable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what's the next? So we, we, we've gone through the first two. Uh, Awareness, adaptability. Number three is basic skills. So when I was put in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, I was with 50 large burly men with knives strapped to their legs. And I had never been camping like outside of the plaza. So I was in big trouble that weekend. I didn't know how to make a fire without matches. There were certain skills I needed to learn so that now I can navigate in those situations. Well, what are those essential skills today? I talk about number one, being communication skills, being able to navigate and some of the adaptability that we talked about, the use of empathy, understanding and listening. God gave us two ears and one mouth for one reason. Um, So communication skills. Um, One I'm very passionate about, obviously working as um, SVP for Innovation Minds, is the art of creative problem solving. I wish that everyone who went through a curriculum in school was taught the CPS formula. And you can look it up, creative problem solving. But the basic element of being able to separate divergent from convergent thinking, longer lists and better choices. We tend to think of a problem and the first solution that comes to mind, we evaluate it or we grab onto it. Well, when you look at divergent thinking, you want a list of 100 options. More lists, more more items on your list, the better, because the research shows the bottom half of the list, the bottom 50 is where probably the jewels are. Hmm. So to, to make a discipline of when you have a challenge, you might not know what the solution is, but there is a process of creativity and innovation that will help you get to the right answer. So I think about communications. I think about creative problem solving as an essential skill. And um, I would also say, um, I'm just going to go with empathy as, as my you know, third essential skill, which is being able to walk in someone else's shoes. And uh, I just read a, a great book that I would recommend to your listeners, Rolf DeBelli, The Art of Clear Thinking. And he identifies over 100 errors with our thinking. And and one of them is confirmation bias. We have a particular point of view. We're going to look for data that supports that idea. Rather than if someone has a different, and in these times politically, a different (laughs) point of view, trying to look at the data that supports their point makes you certainly a more well-rounded, informed individual when it comes to managing conflict. So I think empathy has to be right up there. So empathy, creative problem solving, and communication slash leadership. Well, I guess that's also, uh, leads, leads to my next question, actually. So you, you've mentioned that you're, you're in Ecuador and, uh, you know, living in a foreign country, growing up in uh, New Jersey, so you're, you're sort of brethren yeah. uh, to me, but how do, how do you do the understanding? I mean, so that, that's one of those things where you probably had to communicate or learn different communication skills, as you probably had that long list of being able to communicate what you needed to do first and maybe last as well. Yeah, well, I um, I had a bed and breakfast in Cape May, New Jersey. So I was an entrepreneur from early on. And I always had this desire to live and travel in different parts of the world. So I would end up about 12 years in Costa Rica and now four years in a permanent resident. 
in Ecuador. And it's interesting because when I coach on recruitment, I always say, look for individuals who possibly have lived in a place other than their home, because guess what they have? Natural adaptability. And you bet there are challenges in life every day when English is your second language, for example. But uh, the one thing I have found in living in both countries is this sense of being present with the culture that I'm in versus trying to say, oh, back in New Jersey and New York, we did it this way. That won't work. And it's funny because when other people try to live abroad, I can tell almost instantly who will make it and who will not. And it's the ones that have comparative thinking of this is not like it is in the U.S. that tend not to get the full appreciation of the culture. So uh, so I would say go for it. If you have an opportunity, even for a chapter in your life, I will always be a U.S. citizen and thank I work for a U.S. firm. But um, living abroad gives you uh, kind of a different perspective on on life and the world. Yeah, traveling, you know, is, is is so important, and to also getting those different culture shocks or experiences, you know, by by living and walking through. That's why it's always been enjoyable when I have traveled to really get out among the people around, you know, to really walk into the local market that the tourists don't go to, and things like that. I mean, one of my best pictures that I've ever taken is on a random street. I don't even know the name of the street, but in Venice, I was having ice cream with my wife and I said, hold on a second, hold my ice cream, which is very important. Uh, but um, took the picture and it was on a doorway and it showed a heart because, you know, there's love all, all, all over. But, you know, there's times like that, that we've, we, we walked in Cuba and again, we went shopping in one of the local markets that, uh, you know, we, and, you know, I didn't speak the language, uh, but it's you. You get the the feel, and most people want to. I f- I feel almost everywhere we've gone, including France, where they say you know, given that, from a New Yorker especially, you know, they say that they're not friendly people. We weren't sure how to operate the the metro, uh, the, the the trains, and guess what? Somebody explained to us, you know, because it was, it was co- going over two different lines, and if you've not been in in France, you have to kind of do two different tickets and 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 things like that, but. Most people, when you really meet them and they really see that you're willing to sh- learn, they're willing to communicate. They're, you, you, they're, they're showing that you're adapting to their their situation. And I think that's part of the challenge that we all face is, you know, like you said earlier, that, that boss who comes in and wants to change the world because he's the boss or, or she is the boss. But it's the people who adapt to what you have and see what culture shifts you can do because we could all be that change. And you brought up something, not only, do we have Cuba in common? I've been there three times and not many people in the U.S. have been, as you know. Um, but um, I really have reinforced with leaders that one of the best ways you can engage your team is to ask for help. And you talked about asking for help on the Metro. People love to help. It inspires them to help. So one of the reasons why I believe in democratizing innovation is I think employees in an organization have all the answers. You just need to ask them and and put on that hat of being a consultant. Because when you ask for help, I feel important. So it's, it's kind of an overlooked concept in leadership that, you know, particularly in hybrid work now, it's like we're working, you know, apart, we have a Zoom meeting, 
Um, always make sure you're asking for help with your colleagues and employees because it nurtures not only innovation, but it nurtures them. We'll be back in a moment. Well, that's a nice song. Hey, hey, everybody. It's me, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, the host of the LaunchCast, the co-host of Over My Dad Podcast. But more importantly, I'm here today on behalf of Launchpad 516 Studios, the podcast production company that makes those two shows, the one you're listening to now, and so many others possible. Now, what is Launchpad 516 Studios? Well, it's the brainchild of Launchpad 516 It's a podcast production company, and we help you from conceptualization to production to recording to post-production to monetization. The key word here, let's turn that hobby, that idea into a revenue stream. But more importantly, let's get that important idea out there and get your voice heard because that's what matters right now. Hit us up, launchpad516studios.com to find out more information. Or send us an email, podcast at lp516.com. DM me at Launchpad CEO on all the platforms. Let's chat. Let's get your voice heard. We're pretty good at this, guys. Don't let this offer slip by you. Later, guys. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Schmetzky. You know, that, that's funny that you mentioned that because that's really where I'm at right now. Uh, I, I've i been trying to humanize the, the environment that I'm working in, the organization I'm working with. And, uh, you know, they're, they're great people one-on-one, but whenever we – they're always looking for new changes, but not really. Um, you know, like I've said, so let, let's go have a podcast to get to know people differently. And there's been some reluctance. There's some headway. How would you – Advise me or, or anybody else who, when you when you have the headway against the humanization of of an office or uh, any any environment. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think you need to begin small. One activity that we did this past week with a new evolving team um, is we had each of them pick a superhero that they related to, and what we had them do was change their Zoom ID logo to that superhero. And before the brass tacks of the meeting happened, everyone shared, okay, well, this is my superhero and this is why I picked this superhero. And it was just a fun (laughs) connection with fellow team members. So like during the height of the pandemic, we did very cool and creative things because we couldn't travel. We did virtual travel vacations. Um, where we went to Frida Kahlo's house in in Mexico and uh, virtual wine tasting. It's like you've got to try to find um, some components where there is an element of ritual and an element of fun. And somehow I feel important. You will always encounter, I mean, this is part of life. There's always a greater resistance to change anything that's normal, particularly during the pandemic, people are holding on to what they can count on. So you are getting a little bit of resistance to anything new. And um, that's why I do whatever I can to make Zoom meetings much more exciting. So for example, we used to do innovation sprints in person at a company worksite. 
we're now doing them virtually. And so we're finding fun and inspired ways to, to have that kind of virtual space that it's a, a workspace and a play space. Well, what's an inv- innovation sprint uh, since you just mentioned that? Yeah. So um, essentially people have limited bandwidth. So we have an eight week, uh, one hour a week sprint, same time, same station in which we go through the process, best practices of design thinking and innovation. um, And it begins with identification of challenges. So I talked about how creative problem solving is an essential skill. In eight weeks, we tackle a challenge, we diverge, we converge, we bring in mentors and innovation, and it ends with a -a sharkathon or a shark tank in which the best ideas at the end of the sprint get put forward for funding and support from the organization. Hmm. What happens is in eight weeks, hmm, I've developed creative problem solving and innovation skills, and I've developed that. I can put it on my LinkedIn profile because I'm certified by Innovation Minds. But guess what? I was part of identifying a challenge and actually working through a process where we got to a solution and saw some real results. So what we have found is the sprint focus is a way to get commitment from everyone and to, at the same time, do a heavy lift with big challenges. That sounds awesome. I, I really love that idea. And, uh, you know, it's competition, you know, and, and innovation only comes from competition. If we think in that same box, you know, we might get new colors. We might get the new improved, but it really is just a change of a box. But it's really stepping outside of that box is when the new and improved really comes in. When your back's against the wall, that's when innovation really comes in. And we use some cool technology tools um, that have some gamification, but we also want to show progress. So, you know, the reason we're willing to wait for an Uber car is that you see the car on your phone getting closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to show progress of you're really getting there. Look at everything you've done to your point. uh, Look how far you've come. So we take every kind of psychological trick we have in the book that works in real life, but we've combined that with AI technology so that it's a fun process for everyone because innovation should have a, a high degree of fun. Yeah, we hope so. And speak about fun, before we go anywhere further, you had mentioned about that everybody got to choose a superhero. So what was your superhero? Oh my goodness, I can't believe you asked that. So I picked a kind of unconventional superhero, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. And what I shared was the why was that um, she was looking for answers and reached out to the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, um, who am I missing, the Lion. And she looked for all these traits, but actually she found out that they were inside of her all along. So that was uh, my superhero. And actually... We do an innovation process where we give everyone a blank yellow brick road and we identify who's the lion, the tin man and the straw man, uh, scarecrow in your life that's helping you to reach your destination. So we use that metaphor. But Dorothy, was, she's my girl. I love that because, you know, for so many reasons, that's one of my mother's favorite movies. And we, I've literally watched it. Several hundred times. I, I, it's definitely in the hundreds. Uh, maybe not several hundred, but 
between my girls and with my mom. And it, it always was one of my favorite movies uh, as well. And uh, I, I also, so with my coaching practice, I call it uh, On the Path. Uh, path standing for personal attitude towards happiness. But I use the, the metaphor because there's so many different stories that you can rip apart with the you know the Wizard of Oz. You know, there's the political aspects of it. There's there's so many different layers of it, and I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Now, um, you know, I know we're we're, we're usually the, the the five people we 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 spend our time with. Who are your favorite five people? Who are the people who bring you peace and love into your life? Yeah, I do believe that you become the five people you spend time with. So front and center is my husband, of course, 30 years. He's my partner in crime. We, by the way, owned competing bed and breakfasts in Cape May, New Jersey. And um, we each say our individual inn was the better. And we joined forces, created another inn together, had a restaurant and cafe in Latin America. He's retired now, but he's my guide from the side. Uh, certainly. I have a friend from Philadelphia who's been in my life since I was 20 years of age. So she's seen the multiple versions of me and helped me along the way. Um, I would have to say that our leader at Innovation Minds, who has shown me the power of Bala, the power of technology combined with core leadership and communication skills, the stuff that matters, he would be on my list. Let's see who else would be on my list. I would probably say um, there is a woman in South Africa who I've mentored, who is now top of her game leading innovation in South Africa, Pulang. And I have just watched her growth through her career to the, to the fact that she's now mentoring others. So that's been huge for me. And then the fifth is no longer with me, but my mom was, she was, she was everything in my development. And I really attribute who I am today to um, the skills that she passed on to me and the, the sense of, I have to share with you one of her, I was very shy, hard to believe now, but I was very shy and awkward. And she said to me, you need to go out and meet people because every time you meet someone, you take a small vacation, you get to go somewhere new. And, and that has prompted my curiosity. And every day I try to meet someone new. There's always a story like you're doing this podcast and learning about you. There's always, if you just ask the right question, tell me about what's important to you. Like um, in nonprofit innovation with NGOs, we use the Harwood Public Institute Ask tool which is essentially you go out and you talk to five random neighbors and you ask them what kind of community they would want to live in. And through really just that question of their aspirations, you begin to see a better future. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. It's, it's getting that personal touch and the right, asking the right questions. How do you know that you're, you're asking the right questions? You know, sometimes because uh, unfortunately I've been in corporate America and we've had consultants who ask questions, great questions, but it's not always the ones that really get, get to the answer. It, it, it's sometimes the answer that they know that they want to, you know, potentially bring out. Mm, that's a great question. Great question, question. Um, 
I think I'd go back to relying on creative problem solving, which is oftentimes the obvious answer is not the, the root cause. So for example, um, you might have um, a community impact issue where um, there's a certain segment of the population that isn't, um, isn't taking advantage of local benefits. Well, you might think, well, they're not taking advantage of local benefits. Why is that? You need to get to the root cause because the process is so cumbersome. So you have to keep peeling back the layers. And um, so oftentimes, I'll repeat a question. We talk about the power of the pause. Mm-hmm. Let's take another round at that. What's important to you? What's really important to you? And if you take the pause in between your questions, you give folks a time, particularly introverts, a time to think about it. The other thing I use is giving people time to think about their answers. So, for example, in you and I have both been in corporate America. In team meetings, oftentimes there's the person that always has the first idea. They're a quick thinker. They've got an answer. So rather than tapping into that whole dynamic, because I know the quiet ones in the room often have the best answers, is to give them 60 seconds to two minutes, write down what their thoughts are, and then to share them. Because you're giving the introvert the thinker, which is a certain style, a chance to process, and you're putting everyone on equal playing grounds. I also use the power of the post-it note like crazy. So in creative problem solving, we have a virtual collaboration board where you do virtual post-it notes. But um, you know, I've done mastermind groups where everyone comes with a challenge and one person has a minute to talk about their challenge. And then everyone in that group writes down one idea per post-it note or one question, and in the course of literally five minutes, you have tons of ideas and suggestions for that one person. So I do believe if you think it, ink it, that it's it's best to put everyone on equal playing ground and, and give the thinkers an opportunity for their contribution. That's awesome. And that's the way to engage everybody. Uh, Right, because if you're going to want buy-in at the end of the day, you need to make sure you have engaged everybody and really got true feedback. Because that's why a lot of times, uh, you know, even even our kids uh, go to right. They they go to the parents who they think they're going to give give you the answer, or they or they shop around for answers, and uh, that's never the right way to to go about it. Now to go back to your, the the pillars of that you were saying, I think we're up to number four. I'd love to hear. Yeah, we are. Number four is conservation of energy. Now, I know this goes against health and wellness of getting in your 10,000 steps a day. So we'll park that aside. But there are two things we never have enough of. One, time. Second, money. You could add energy as a third. But make sure you know where each of those items are going in your daily life to conserve energy. It's like in the wilderness, while I'm looking for shelter, I'm also looking for food. I'm looking for wasted motion. I think uh, Dominic, our common friend, has a calendar camp, right? Mm -hmm. The calendar can work for you or it can destroy you. So making sure you know where your time is going and really our memories are really terrible about this. If you do a calendar analysis, you're going to see maybe you're spending time on things that you shouldn't be spending time on that aren't giving you that gain. 
with regard to money, it's the same kind of thing. I saw a stat where that daily uh, visit to Starbucks can really add up to thousands of dollars by the end of sure. or it, it could fund your children in college. Not that I have anything against Starbucks, but really know where there's leakage every day and um, what's important to you. And I think for me, time is the greatest gift I can give to another person, but I have to be really careful where I spend my own hours so that I have that work-life balance. Well, that's exactly that bring a bat moment, you know, so you, you have to stop having uh, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And ma- as you're managing the time and the energy that you want to spend, what what type of value is that going to add or, or subtract? In it, and is it worth it? Sometimes it's, you know, you could you can have that to-do list we talked about earlier as well, but you might just need to take a break. Take, you know, the, the power of mental pause, uh, not answering questions, but just doing something for yourself. Uh, you know, there's the right there's the Pareto optimization. You know, work 25 minutes really hard, and then five minutes of, of just do relatively anything. And you know, it's really optimizing your time and making sure the rewards are also uh, showing forth. You bet. So you're waiting for number five. I I'm know. waiting for number five. I can't wait. <laughs> number five. I think you and I both will agree on, agree on. It's perhaps the most important which is positive mental attitude. And as we said, people that perish, oh no, it's all over, we're all gonna die. Well, how do you not only get your PMA, but keep it? And so there's a couple tips I can share with uh, you and your audience. One is uh, the power of the word because. Um, Know your because. Why is that such a powerful word? When you use the word because, you increase compliance from 62% to 94%. So if you want me to fill out that form, tell me because it's going to save me time. If you want me to clean up my room, if I have a teenager, tell me because your friends are going to have a great time. They're going to think so highly of you, not because I said so. So for me, part of keeping my my positive mental attitude is being sure I know my because every day. And, and to do that, I always start with my 10, 10 and 10 list, 10 things I want to have be and do. And I try to use that as kind of a, a core frame, but my, my second tip on this, and I know that you have a bunch because you're a coach um, is really to bookend my day. And what do I mean by that? When, in the morning, you think of your brain as a computer. You need to boot up your computer correctly. So protect that first 15 minutes of the day. Don't look at the phone. Certainly don't look at the news. Um, read something inspirational. Right now, I mentioned the book that I'm currently reading. My husband and I talk about it. Have a cup of coffee. Spend time with nature. But then also at the end of the day, there's some research that 21 days for a behavior change 21 days, identify three things you're grateful for each and every day. And you begin to, if your positive mental attitude is on a decline, you can't help but escalate and accelerate um, kind of the dopamine and the feelings that you have throughout the day. So, you know, I always think of, um, you know, what's, what's the very next thing I need to do uh, to make this a joyful day? And so in, in survival situations, what's going to get you through is that positive mental attitude. 
thinking about the past two years, our mental health has certainly suffered and we've had to learn to use these other survival skills to, to just have hope and to move forward and to make the most of every day. And I think there, despite the fact that there is a huge mental health crisis as a result of the isolation, we know that being with others is important to mental health. I think in some ways we've also had a recalibration of identifying our because and what's most important to us. And I can't help but think that that in the long run is going to be a good thing. Yeah, I do think so. I think that the recalibration, uh, and for all those, I'm not going to ask for an R word uh, because uh, I, I do that often. But the, but really it's that retooling. I mean, I, because when we, when we talk about the past two years, I have to say I've grown more in the past two years for lots of reasons and in lots of different ways, not just in one specific way. Uh, every, and that's why I, I uh, hear how bad it's been. And it, it has been bad. I don't doubt it, it hasn't been. And the isolation, uh, it's depending on what you're looking at isolation. How many people's lives would have been different uh, without the, the pandemic and how we managed it? I think that's the thing is, is we have this new refocus of what our because is. I, and I love you saying the because versus a why. Well, why do you want to do something? You know, everybody always asks about the why, but it really is important to use because, because why are you doing it? So, you know, my why is for my ch- my family. Okay, so how are you doing that? And because I want my children to see, you know, being an entrepreneur. You know, I want I want my family to see that not only do I want something, but I'm achieving it because I've actually put the work in. That's why when people talk to me about this podcast, I, I go, it's part spiritual, part motivational, and part perspirational, and because it's the hard work that you go behind it. Exactly right. Yeah. So I know we've taken up a bunch of your time, and we try to keep the sessions for a half hour. We're getting closer to 45 minutes, so thank you for that. Um, do you have any final seeds? I mean, you've given us so many different seeds of knowledge and is there something you'd like to plant or have grow for the audience as well as for, for me? Well, that's a, that's special. I, you know, I, the one thing I think about is I was teaching um, in South Africa and I have these little tokens, which are a little positive inspiration. So in addition to leaving a tip, I kind of leave one of those. And here in Ecuador, I had the waiter chase after me that I had left one. And I was explaining, it was like optimism, like, you know, the, the rainbow is yours or something like that. And of course, uh, he chased after me saying, oh, I think you left this behind. And I was like, no, this, this is for you. So the one thing I would say is to focus on the number of meaningful conversations in your life. That it's very easy to be passive, but when we talk about pausing and listening to others, every time you meet that someone new, you have a chance to go on a journey, on a vacation, even if you're under lockdown. And it will so enrich your life. So I would I would say go out there, have lots of vacations with lots of different people. And you will not only be a better person, but you will be giving them the gift of listening. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for this vacation that you've given us uh, today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to give us some more. And maybe we'll, you and I will talk afterwards about coming back. Because you have so much knowledge. I know we've just scratched the surface on innovation 
and all the things you've done. Uh, but thank you. And for everybody else, just remind peace and love. Make sure you always bring that into your life. And when you bring a bat, swing it and get your sweet spot. But make sure it's always in peace and love. And I wish you all a home run. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.